So welcome, this is the Obstacle Races New Zealand podcast. Um, after the first episode, which well, wasn't intended to be a first episode actually, but it met with some um, good feedback online. We had quite a few views and some got some emails and some listener feedback and was quite pleased with how it turned out actually. Uh, so we have decided to jump all in and make a natural podcast. Um, so we've brought on a co-host as well. Um, say hello. Hi, I'm Steve Steady. I'm in, based in Auckland and uh, I'm glad to be here. Awesome, yeah. Um, so th- this episode, episode two of the Obstacle Races podcast, I'm going to be interviewing you. I'm going to be interviewing you and finding out all about you. So it's going to yep. be exciting. It will be. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and then we'll... Uh, I'll do it the other way around for the second or third episode, and then we'll find some real people to chat to. Yeah, interview me for the next episode, um, second or third. I guess it kind of is the second since we started Natural Podcast, but the third yep. in terms of <laughs> releasing podcasts. Um, yeah. And the idea is, yeah, each episode will get new people and talk to some interesting people <laughs> from New Zealand and overseas. Um, but, yeah, before we cut to... The interview with you. I think we'll like to talk about a little bit of news that's been happening in New Zealand obstacle racing. Yep, I see um, Oira Beach as the 4th of December this year is going to be the next ultimate athlete. So hopefully uh, COVID will stay away and uh, it can go ahead. Um, not sure whether there'll be any many, many events before that. But we'll wait and see. Yeah, such hard times of COVID, but fingers crossed. Um, mm. The Ultimate Athlete's exciting is they just had their first event earlier this year, and this is the second event in the series. And then the aim is for them to roll out more events and to you know, run a New Zealand-wide series. Yeah, which is, which is certainly good. Um, it'll be interesting, and it'll certainly open the landscape up in uh, obstacle racing here in New Zealand. Um, hopefully, it'll encourage a few more people to get on board and events to, to happen or people to go to current events in that there. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, fingers crossed it goes ahead, though. It's, I guess it's so hard to know with alert levels and event. all the events around the country are in the same boat. But yeah, yep. fingers crossed it happens and we'll be there. I'll be there. Are you going to go as well? Yeah, yeah no, I plan on uh, going up, going down there. Um, hopefully my shoulder will be fixed. I'll be able to compete again, so... Hmm, do the monkey bars. Complete the monkey bars this time. Yeah. <laughs> All um, right. And um, what other races? Anything else in the calendar that you can see there? Yeah, there's something else that recently, uh, Spartan coming to Auckland. There's not quite an <laughs> obstacle race, but Spartan's been branching out globally into trail running. Um, so there was going to be a Spartan 10K nighttime trail run on the night before Spartan Auckland. Uh, but recently they've announced that they are, what's the term? I guess they're not canceling it. They're not postponing it, but they're reviewing it. So they've announced that, oh, reassessing the Auckland venue mm. is the term they use, the terminology. They said that the proposed course doesn't meet international Spartan requirements. So they're unable to offer it. And they're looking at alternative course options. Um, they've taken yeah. down registration for now, and if they can't 
find alternatives they're going to offer transfers or refunds. Um, this is a bit stupid, <laughs> I guess. Well, it's, it's a bit shocking. They had, had the Spartan race here last year. No, sorry, the year before at Ellerslie Raceway. Um, I'm sure the people that organised it would have been there uh, and realised that trying to run a 10K trail race around a suburban race course track is going to be pretty lame. Mm. Um, so somebody didn't do their due diligence before they announced it, or maybe they announced it without giving it a lot of thought, thinking they could uh, run off some trails around Ellerslie. I don't know. Um, I know the Spartan team have been over here uh, about six weeks ago to, to mm. tidy things up for their for their proposed event, and which hopefully will go ahead. Yeah, fingers crossed for that as well. But um, I mean, Ellerslie is perfect for Spartan for a city race. Oh, yeah. um, but yeah. for a trail run, I don't know because yeah. I purchased the ticket myself, but it has it has Ellerslie on the ticket. Yeah. They're advertising it at Ellerslie Racecourse. Mm. Like, you can't hold a trail run there. <laughs> but it just it just took them so long to announce that they're not holding it there, even though the ticket said that. And I don't know what's going on. Um, so yeah, Spartan's looking at new venues for the trail. <clears throat> hmm. And there is plenty of nice places around the city. I'm just not sure um, of where they could go. If they want to keep it close to Ellerslie, there's some uh, nice trails. Trying to get 10 kilometres of all trail would be a bit hard. One Tree Hill, got a little bit around the outside. You do a couple laps around there, um, especially at night time. Um, but the Waitakere's or somewhere like that would be, would be ideal. But uh, whether they've minute thought on it it'll be interesting to see yeah i don't know the auckland area so much myself but there's there's so much around northern new zealand trails everywhere but i guess if they want to keep it close to their obstacle race close geographically i don't know we'll wait wait and see what happens yeah yeah so um yeah i guess we'll get on get on to the interview and find out more about you no problems sounds good The point I would like to arrive at is just finding out who you are and why you're hosting an OCR podcast. Um, so just asking you questions to break that down and give listeners an idea of where you're coming from, you know, who you are, what your interest and experiences in OCR, um, to give listeners an idea as we you know, journey through future episodes interviewing people. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Um, so I am a 58-year-old Australian who married a Kiwi 20-odd years ago. Um, we lived in Australia for a long period of time. We lived here when we first got married, then we went to Australia, um, and then she wanted to come home. So we've been back in New Zealand since 2016 and in lockdown for half of it. Um so I'm a bit of a weekend warrior when it comes to OCR stuff. Um, I was into um, cross country and that at school. Uh, when I left school, I didn't do too much at all. I did played sport like Australian rules football, uh, field hockey, and squash and those types of things. And uh, probably my mid to late thirties, got back into running and then trail running. Uh, OCR wasn't big them days. Uh, it's sort of only been around for a few years. So 
it was trail running and, and off-road stuff um, pretty much. In 2007, 2008, sorry, 2008, me and my wife decided to have a, a sea change and bought a yacht and uh, took off to see the Pacific. Uh, it was supposed to be two years. That ended up being eight years. We floated around the Pacific for um, visiting like Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu, Fiji, all the way up to the Marshall Islands, across to Palau and ended up in the Philippines. Then decided it was time to go back to work. Um, uh, my wife got a good job here in New Zealand, so we moved here. And um, I got back into my trail running and then uh, started into obstacle course racing. Uh, I started actually in Australia, uh, Spartan races in Australia. Then they came, we've got one here, haven't we? We've had one, yeah. Mm. So I did one Spartan race here in, in New Zealand. Um, and then I've done a few of the other ones. Um, I did the Ultimate Athlete recently uh, and um, the Warrior in Nelson. Uh, in the Tough Guy, Tough Girl series for two years. Sort of were trying to do it this year, but gave up because it's, um, I injured my shoulder and then it all got cancelled when I started getting back into it. So it's pretty much a real brief overview of how I ended up here in New Zealand and Hmm. And um, a bit of my background. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm learning about you as well <laughs> through this interview. <laughs> and doing this podcast yeah. together. I yeah. think we'll yeah. know, learn a lot more about each other is interesting. Um, because, yeah, I guess we've been friends on Facebook. Um, yeah. Just interacting with OCR interests. But beyond that, yeah, it's not so much I know about you yet, but it's... Learning about your background now. Um, Met face to face at the um, Ultimate Athlete, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It would have been, yes. We probably were at the same events, but didn't know one another back uh, at the Spartan. Because you came up to Auckland Spartan? Spartan, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah, so we would have been around there together. Yeah, so. oh. mm. um, yeah it's just sailing the Pacific. <laughs> it sounds fascinating. Imagine, well, how long was that for, did you say? Was when we first left, we um, I, I the company I worked for offered me uh, redundancy because they were shifting. I worked for a, an, an American mining company uh, in Australia for twenty odd years. They decided to move their head office or close not close it, but get rid of a lot of the technical people out of Perth office and move them to Denver, Colorado. Uh, my wife had a really good job; she didn't want to leave, and they couldn't guarantee her work in uh, in the states. I took a redundancy package. Um, we we went out looking to buy a beach house and uh, ended up buying a boat because mm. we both loved sailing. I've sailed most of my life. I've loved it. Um, then uh, we had the boat for a couple of years. Um, she decided that she didn't like, well, wanted a bit of a time off from work, so we decided to sail from uh, Fremantle in Western Australia to Queensland, and then we would look for work in Queensland. That was supposed to take us uh, a bit, about seven to eight months. It ended up taking us two years. We got to Darwin, fell in love with Darwin, both got jobs there for a while. Then um, spent nearly a year sailing from Darwin down to um, just north of Brisbane. Hmm. Uh, while we were doing that, we met uh, a few other boats on the Queensland coast who were 
going to Papua New Guinea um, on a bit of a rally to help um, underprivileged kids and that in the, the island. And we thought, oh, that sounds good. So we sailed out of Cairns um, in 2009, 2010, sorry, 2010, with this rally to go and uh, do some work for schools and that in Papua New Guinea. Got up there, fell in love with it and uh, just decided to, to keep going. Um, with no real set plan, no, um, it was just, yeah, when we run out of money, we'll go home, so to speak. Um, we got, to, took us another year and a bit to get to Fiji. We put the boat in storage there. I did a lot of work on it and uh, Selena went back to work and then we went back to the boat and spent a year in Fiji sailing all around the islands and thought, no, nah, we'll keep going with this. So we sailed north. We were heading towards Hawaii, but we got up into the Marshall Islands. Um, don't know if you know much about the Marshall Islands, but there is uh-huh. lots and lots of uh, World War II wreckage up there. And we're both mad, mad keen dive, scuba divers. Mm-hmm. So uh, what was supposed to be a fuel stop at Marjoro ended up being nearly 18 months there. Uh, we met a German couple on a, on a boat uh, who were sailing west towards the Philippines who said that there was some really good, and an American couple too, actually, sorry, uh, had some good ideas about diving out that part of the Pacific. Um, so we headed off with them and uh, two years later ended up in the Philippines and that's when money had run out. So it was go back to work. Oh, wow. Uh, Crazy adventure. Clean up, went around, got, found a good job. Uh, I stayed with the boat, packaged it all up and then we brought it down to, to Auckland here. Um, we had it for a couple of years here in Auckland when we first arrived, and in 2018 it was it was too big for, to use as a day sailor here. It was set up for offshore cruising, um, and it wasn't being used properly, so we put it on the market and sold it at the end of 2018. Oh. Yeah. So we owned it. We bought it in 2004 and sold it. So we owned it 14 years, 15 years. Oh wow! Mm. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Lots of experiences, I imagine. So I assume you oh, guys yeah. don't have kids? No, no, we weren't uh, lucky enough to have kids. Um, we didn't get together till very late in life either. Um, we never got married. We got married till I was nearly 45. So hmm. um, we, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time working um, in fly-in, fly-out operations for a gold mining company uh, all over Australia, New Zealand. I came to New Zealand. The first time I came to New Zealand was down the South Island to McRae's gold mine down there in the late 80s. Mm. Uh, and I spent a lot of time overseas. So, no, yeah, gotta... sounds interesting. Yeah, my mother's um, getting close to retirement age, I guess. Maybe hopefully she's not listening to this. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's currently she went over to Australia. She's doing fly in, fly out in the mining industry for the past few years. And yeah, it sounds pretty crazy hearing her. That's mm. um, her talk about yeah going to these remote locations around Australia and working on big mining projects and yeah. Oh, it's like I got to see, got to see a lot of the world um, working in different mines throughout Asia. Um, the first company, I, one of the first companies I started with, they owned a, a gold mine not far out of Paris in France. Uh, got to visit that, got to visit uh, places in South America, uh, all through North America. Um, the company's Newmont Mining and they're, a, well, they were, the largest gold miner. I think they still are probably are one of the largest gold miners in the world. Oh, nice. <laughs> mm. How did you, when did, 
So getting into OCR and I guess endurance running, doing running events. Um, were you doing that when you were traveling around the Pacific? Was that something that started after? Because no, how, how would you no, train no. on a boat? <laughs> you, don't, you can't train on a boat. I did meet um, a French ultra runner when we were in Vanuatu. Um, he was sailing to Hawaii to do the, um, I'll say the Hawaii Ironman, but it might have been a running race up there in Hawaii. Uh, and he was really struggling with it, a lot of swimming and that sort of stuff. Um, because the other thing, I don't know if you know much about a lot of those islands out there, they're not very big. Mm. Um, and uh, some of the, the main islands are, but you know, a lot of the little islands are just you know, two or three kilometres of beach and coral. So wow. it's not a real good place to do some training. Jeez, uh, walk across the thing in a few minutes. <laughs> no, but I, I did lots of swimming um, and that, that sort of helps you. With your endurance, it helps with your breathing, especially uh, free diving and those sorts of things. Um, but I had, uh, had an accident or an injury um, to my left leg uh, in the late 98, 99, and uh, didn't, have it, didn't rehab it properly, uh, didn't do things properly. So I had a lot of trouble with running um, for a while, and then I eventually had to go back another operation, and they did connected tendon on my bone and play around so i had a few years there of doing very little um and like i said i never really got back into i never got really into running till i was in my early 30s um uh, one of my claims to fame i suppose i could say is i did uh, all the fun runs around australia one year i had a my boss at work was a mad keen fun runner um and we had to visit uh, pretty much every state in australia every three to six weeks uh, visit the different mine sites. So we planned a trip and we went to Adelaide and did the um, city to, or did the Perth city to surf. And then we did the city to surf in Melbourne and the city to surf in Sydney. And the, they don't call it the city to surf in Dar. I'm, in Adelaide, they call it something else. And then when we did the, the one, the, the Gold Coast and the Brisbane one, so the only place we didn't go to Hobart was Hobart. So. Oh, I did all those. But, um, when I got when I when I came over here to New Zealand um, in the, the late, I think '88 was the first time I came over here. I one of the places I was down the South Island, um, and uh, a few of the local boys were into pig hunting, so I got into that. And then two of them were into trail running, so um, got to do a lot of the trail trail runs around Sweden um, in the sort of late '80s, early '90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, found that was really good fun. Um, and then uh, when when I met Selena, my wife, uh, we were working at the Waihe Gold Mine. So did a lot of those trails uh, around. I'm reasonably new to OCR because it sort of it kicked off in 2012, 2011, sort of over this part of the world. And we were sailing around the Pacific by then. We never actually came back to civilization, as we put it, till late 2015. Mm. Um, and it was um, I was in Queensland at a um, catching up with some mates uh, in 2016 and did a, a Spartan on the, the Gold Coast Spartan, um, which have tried to go back and do a couple of times now, but uh, haven't had much luck because of COVID. But mm. and bushfires, bushfires closed it down one day. Yeah, yeah. hopefully it'll 
hopefully COVID, don't know what's going to happen to the events industry. Um, no, no, it's not looking good to the best rest of this year. Um, I'm going to be interested to see whether, whether if, whether or if any events do coming go ahead. Um, I know I'm, I was doing the Xterra Trail Series, and the last one of them looks like it's been canned because uh-huh. they just can't find it. Can't find a date that they don't have something else on, or someone else doesn't have something on. Yep. I guess now might be a good time or a bad time. Hopefully, a good time to start an OCR podcast. <laughs> if people aren't running, aren't entering events, that got more time to listen, more time to do solo runs under lockdown. Chuck on a podcast and headphones and listen, and yeah, hopefully we can make something work. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you. So you mentioned you were doing Xterra. Um, so you, yeah, got getting into OCR over the past few years. You. You know, came yep. from a running background, it sounds like. You, know, you had that running base. Um, but I was going to ask you if you are still doing, you know, trail runs and these sort of events, but it sounds like you are still doing them as well as OCR events as well. Oh, yeah. And, and um, had I got into OCR earlier, I probably would have done a lot more of it. I, I love trail running. Um, I try and do at least one half marathon trail run, either on my own or with it on a, on a, thing, a month. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, most of the exteriors I do are the, the long, so they're around the 22, 24K. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do it for mental health. I love just being out there. I'm not, it's not about the time or anything. It's just the camaraderie. Um, I don't know if you, well, I know you have done a few exteriors and you do meet a lot of people. Um, and uh, I've got to know same sort of faces at the same events and you can uh, run along and have a chat and it's, uh, yeah, I'm not uh, trying to get into the Olympics or anything like that. It's uh, more socialising and um, and it's good for your mental health, getting out there in the, the forest and the mud and um, mm. and that. So. Yeah, for sure. And <clears throat> so have you done, I think you've done some adventure races as well. Is that right? You can get into that? Uh, yes, just, just day ones though. Um not not a long twenty four hour or anything like that. Just a day race. I've done a lot of lactic turkey um, raygans and just like um, where you run, swim, cattle uh, paddle a kayak down a river and then ride a bike and sort of stuff. But just six to nine hour ones. Uh, uh, I'd really love to give a give a um, a twenty four hour one a go. It's just uh, finding time and finding a couple of teammates. Okay, so do, doing this podcast, I think if we, you know, focus talk mostly about OCR, obstacle course racing in New Zealand, yep. um, but if we do bring in other obstacle sports out there, like you were saying, bring in, um, you know, talk sometimes about adventure racing and ninja or these yep. other sort of things, um, hybrid events, um, but adventure racing in particular, I know nothing about it. <laughs> I'm a okay. complete beginner when it comes to adventure racing. So I think you'd, you'd be expert on that um so it'll be fascinating year to hear in future episodes if we talk about adventure racing i'll I'll be learning along with adventure racing is big here in new zealand new zealand invented adventure adventure racing um and they have some of the best adventure races in the world uh in the longer distances hopefully this year they'll bring well it won't be now it'll be next year or probably the year after the world series will come here it was excited to come here Part of the World Series uh, adventure race, um, uh, and that's that's quite good because they they are a little bit 
um, they put them on so that they can get spectators, yet like they have areas where people can go and watch certain parts of it. Mm. Um, I've seen, seen one in Australia uh, and I was lucky enough to see one when I was in Europe. So um, and you wander out there with your coffee and your croissant watching someone who's been out there for three days running, swimming, biking, kayaking, canoeing, yeah. whatever. I guess my first exposure to it was a number of years ago I was in Wanaka and didn't didn't know you I was down there for another reason but didn't know the event was happening there was a a big adventure race I, I don't even can't remember what the name of it was <laughs> there's a few of them in Wanaka right but um but yeah, there's I was a few down here there, in Wanaka so the big the big ones here in New Zealand I suppose you would say is the coast to coast um and um Oh, God. On my tongue. In Rotorua um, is part of it. Lots of the internationals come over for the, the Rotorua one. That's, um, actually, no, that moves, it moves all over the place, doesn't it? Yes. Um, oh, God. No, go on. It was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Um, Steve Gurney and all those, they were real good at it. Okay. Yeah, I need to educate myself about it. Because my, my exposure was, yeah, a few years ago, being in Wanaka and seeing... I think it was the end of the race. The athletes were coming in to the finish along the Wanaka um, Lake. But the finish line was all set up just between the, the town and the lake. Um, and like you were saying, very spectator-friendly. There's people, people watching yeah. in there. I think all the top finishers had already come through, so these were the um, more casual races coming through. But, yeah, I had no idea what it was and just seeing how big it was in that, in that town in Wanaka was awesome. Mm. Um, sort of eye-opening about how, how big this thing is in New Zealand and... God zone, that's what I was trying to think of. The God Zone Adventure. Um, this year it was held up here uh, out of Rotorua, but it is usually held uh, in the South Island, so that would have probably been it. Um, okay. so they have a 600-kilometre unsupported and a 530-kilometre supported teams race. Um, you've got to have... Uh, I'm pretty sure that you've got... It's a team of four... And you've got to have one, at least one male or one female. Uh, usually, that is the the rules. Um, okay. I don't know if I'd like to do unsupported. That's a lot of uh, a lot of work. Six hundred kilometres. Not you don't have to carry everything at the beginning, but you don't get any help along the way. Where mm. having someone turn up with my push bike all put together would be uh, quite good, I think. Yes. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. I'm like a short distance runner. <laughs> I couldn't imagine going that long. Um, I, I, prefer, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to give 100 kilometres a go, but, um, yeah, I like a 25 to 30 k's is really good. I enjoy that. And a marathon every now and then is, is good. I don't like doing it on the, running on the road, so it's finding one off, off-road. Um, yes. So, depending yeah, on what road it does. Board. <laughs> It'll be an interesting perspective as well, I guess. Um, yeah, turning this into a podcast, I think, as I'm talking to you now, just realizing the direction we'll take. And um, but yeah, but you're you're more into the long distance running, like like you were saying, mm. half marathon, marathon distance. Whereas I I run like five k, ten k. I barely ever run over ten k. Um, yeah. It's more my my perspective. Um, mm. I have run. Oh, get into it later. After after this will. Interview me as well. Um, talk more about myself then. I'll try and hold off for now. Yep. <laughs> um, 
So what else did I want to ask you? There's, oh, podcast, just talking about podcasts in general. So now, now we're doing a podcast. Um, but you listen to quite a few, I know, right? So what's your... I do. I, when, part of my job, I'm an I'm a operations manager for a, an environmental testing company. So I spend a little bit of time on the road, not as much as I used to. Last year, pre-COVID, I spent a lot of time on the road. Um, and I not listen to commercial radio. Um, so I got myself a Spotify account, a paid one, and started listening to podcasts. Uh, so I, I listen to like Dirt Church Radio, which is a running podcast from Auckland, uh, quite good a lot. I listen to Wikipedia. Uh, she's a, a lady from uh, New Zealand who does talks to all sorts of different people, um, which I quite like. And then the OFX podcast out of uh, Canada, um, they uh, they get a good perspective of um, OCR racing from Canada and what do you call it? And they talk to multiple different people as well. So from that, that side of things. But um, I also listen to a lot of like book reviews um, and those types of things um, because uh, living on a boat for so long, you read a lot of books and I've got into reading. Um, so now, instead of reading a book and thinking I don't like it, I listen to a few podcasts that have got book reviews on, and then, oh, that sounds good. I'll go to the library. I join the Auckland Library and get myself a book and have a read it because I think it's uh, good old paper books. Uh, not used as much as they should be, but uh, they are really good for to read. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I try and do a lot of reading myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of podcasts, New Zealand podcasts, I just thinking that that Wanaka trip where I saw the adventure race. Um, while I was down there in Wanaka, I met uh, Mickey years ago. Oh, okay. Wanaka. Uh, <laughs> this before she had a podcast, but I've only just started yep. listening to it now, so I need to catch up and um, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> she has been connect people, with them, it? connect with Wikipedia and Dirt Church Radio at some point in the future yep. if we continue our podcast. And the Crush Your Cargo guys, they uh they're always fun to have a bit of a listen to. Oh, do they have one as well? Yeah, crush it. A lot of them are running. I, I, I don't know of any OCR ones are here or Australia, actually, to tell you the truth. Uh, most of the ones I listen to that cover OCR are in Canada, the United States, or the UK. Um, so I listen to Bad Boy Running uh, as well, and that does a little bit of OCR stuff, and they're out of the UK. Hmm. Yeah, I listen to quite a few OCR podcasts. I'm mostly from the US. It's uh, a bit annoying to get so much of their perspective. I guess so much media yeah. comes out of the US, but yeah, a bit of from the UK. And I know in Australia, there's, I don't know if he has a podcast, but Matt Moore. Um, no, he, 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 did start, well, he did start one, but um, he hasn't done much on it lately. Um, uh, what do you call it? I actually met him. He was one of the people I met last year. No, 2000 and. 20 oh yeah 20 we went to the melbourne um spartan at the mcg the um stadium one they had at the mcg and uh, he had a team there so we had a, a good chat to him then and that's what he said he was going to get into a podcast but uh, just decided it was too much work for what he had on already okay yeah i've watched him mm. some interviews he's recorded yes yeah he i does. don't think it turned into a full podcast no. Um, but he'd be a good person to get on one day and have a chat to. Uh, he would. He's got a different perspective of uh, what he call it, and he always threatened to uh, to come to New Zealand um, if we could ever get some events running. But, uh, 
yeah, the Spartan. Yeah. He, should, he should get over here for Auckland Spartan. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see whether that actually goes ahead, I think. Um, uh, what do you call it? Me and my wife want to go back to Australia in uh, December for a wedding, family wedding, and that's looking highly unlikely um, due to the fact we just can't get MIQ spots to come back to. So going over to a, for a, a week long for a wedding and then in having to stay over there for two months um, isn't ideal. Yeah, it's crazy. Hopefully Spartan goes ahead. I mean, at, at the time we're recording this, it's September now. Yep. Spartans postponed again until November. Uh, hopefully it goes ahead, but yeah, I guess all their crew has to come over from Australia. And it's, yeah, <laughs> at this point with COVID, it's not looking promising. Looking good. No. So, what other questions did you have out there? Yeah, just asking you more about OCR. Um, like, what are your goals for your for OCR in terms of running? Um, I'd, yeah. Ultimately, I'd like to be doing the top four or five for um, my age group. Uh, COVID, I got in, got into the, uh, I think I got down as 13th, 14th for age group uh, globally to the, go to the Spartan world in Greece. Got an invite to that, but that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, it's my goals for Spartan is, sorry, for OCR is working with the NZ OSA uh, to build it here in New Zealand. I, I do believe, um, having been to a few events in Australia, the Spartan ones mainly, where they spend a lot of time with kids, little kids, um, if we could do that over here in New Zealand, um, that would build the grassroots and it would become a real good community. Uh, I think New Zealand's got a lot of potential on that, that side of things because we are very outdoors here. We That type of thing, um, going back to the exterior races, like, most of them get 12, 1,400 people to on a Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. Um, and when I start chatting to people about it, they always go, well, we'd give that a go, but there's just no events. Um, so I think building it from the grassroots will certainly give people, um, event organisers, more of a pool of people to work from because you, you need the grassroots to make an event work. Um, um, so, yeah, so that's what I'd like to, to work with, um, help help that in some way um, improve. And okay. I think starting with uh, NZOSA, um, helping get that off the ground, I think that's a big start. I think uh, we'll, uh, we'll see that moving forward. Yeah, so continuing running yourself and aiming to move up in the age group rankings and um, seeing the, yep. the grassroots develop around New Zealand. And you mentioned, yeah, NZOSA, which is something if you want to talk about now in terms of explaining it to our listeners, I think it's a big project both you and I are involved in. Um, it'd be awesome, yeah, to so, spread it more. So <laughs> we're, we're both part of it. Uh, NZOSA is the New Zealand Obstacle Sports Association. Um, we started it in, in February this year. Um, just in another lockdown too, I think. Will we <laughs> must be a lockdown things? Um, uh, it's uh, a, a body that works with um, ISO, the 
Federation of Inter Inter Federation of International Obstacle Sports, and um, it's growing the obstacle sports community around the world, trying to get rules, um, get everybody on the same, trying to work with event organisers so that it's not just a Spartan race. Every every race is classed as a, or lots of races are classed and and get um, points and those sorts of things. Um, we've had a fair bit of input, which you were heavily involved with, with Ultimate Athlete getting the rules and the officiating side of things sorted. Mm. And uh, I think if we can work with um, a few other events, uh, it certainly certainly would. Um, we could put a link to their website on the bottom of our uh, bottom of this podcast. Yeah, link to the OSA website if people want to check it out. Yeah, learn more about yeah. it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's a very exciting project. I think you and I will talk about it a lot more as we go along in this podcast. And it's still starting up now, but hopefully, you know, yeah. the, and, and also one of the that. things doing is it because a lot of the people who are at the forefront of obstacle sports here in New Zealand are part of that group too. So um, getting a few of them and, and a few of the foreign nationals that live here now, getting them involved in their perspective of OCR races overseas, would, uh, it certainly will help. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, we, we might need to do an uh, episode fully on the OSA one day. Like get um, Hayden or someone. Get Hayden, the president or someone like that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a future episode. Certainly should be. Yes, I know. I know you posted some questions to me earlier in the day. Um, <clears throat> there's ones to ask me and ask future guests, but yeah. some of them are quite deep questions. I like them. <laughs> yep, yeah, and they were just. What do you, what do you, I was just uh, thinking about what I what we should be talking about, um, and uh, and getting some sort of not structure, but get, yeah, like you said, let's just see where the conversations take us, but. Um, some idea about the person we're, we're interviewing and and where they've come from and how how they see OCR in New Zealand um, mm -hmm. um, moving forward. Yeah, I'll ask you some off there now if that's all right. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. What about what's motivating you right now? It's pretty hard to stay motivated. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then every second day I seem to open my emails up and there's a race being cancelled or being postponed or being moved or what do you call it? Um, and I follow your link on uh, Facebook with with Spartan, which we're having. I'm having the same thing about they're um, not going to give us refunds for our tickets. And I had uh, several races back in Australia. Um, Organised for last year and for this year. Well, for last year, it's rolled into this year, which now they're not rolling. Yeah. Um, uh, keeping motivated is a little bit hard, but we are um, lucky enough or unlucky enough, I'm not sure. Uh, two weeks before we went into lockdown, we got a four-month-old Labrador pup um, who is... Uh, boisterous if we don't take it for a walk so we uh, go for a run around the park or up and down the road every day um, motivation is a little bit hard to get hold of especially when you, you don't have a goal and I, I 
I find it hard to keep training for something just for the sake of training. I've got to have a reason to be doing it. Getting out of bed at 5.30 in the morning to run in the rain is might be fun when you're younger, but I don't find it fun. But if I know that I've got a race or I've got something coming up that I need to go do it for, I don't have a problem getting out of bed. But, yeah, mm. so lockdown motivation is is waning, I suppose, or it's been a bit harder. Yeah, it's the good thing about an industry like OCR where you it's event-based an obstacle sport or event based yeah. um you have something to train for a goal you know you have a deadline on the calendar that's coming up and you know, make yourself run um but i guess under oh. lockdown under covid there's so much cancellations or postponements and it's just hard to like i, I was in i entered i was entered for the tough guy and girl challenge yeah um, and they recently postponed but i was training for that and now it's postponed i'm just like oh <laughs> can't be bothered running <laughs> and that <laughs> was the same yeah I don't know how you felt, but Ultimate Athlete was like that. Like I had a date, I think it was the 17th of May, set that I was working my training around with that. Um, I sort of got a running coach or a coach that helps me do the right things, I suppose, and we had a goal. And then they changed the date, so it's sort of deflating. But it's hard to keep yourself motivated thinking, well, I can't keep going flat-out training, but I've got to keep doing some training for mm. it. And then you think... Are they going to try? Are they going to cancel it again? Are they? Uh, so yeah, it, that's really hard to keep motivated um, when they keep moving the dates because you got yourself set for it and then it gets moved and valid reasons, but uh, it does make it hard. It does. Yeah, I was watching the Olympics when that was on. Um, watching some of the commentary and they they were talking a lot about how the athletes were under so much pressure, like mental pressure as well, because the Olympics were originally scheduled for 2020 and they got yep. postponed due to COVID and the athletes, you know, they peaked in 2020 at the top of their game and then it got postponed and they had to constantly keep up their training. And they, yeah, like that would have been so hard at that top of the world level. They would have had that same situation. I mean, they're, they're professional. I can give you a little insight into that. We, our goddaughters, um, we got goddaughters who were part of the, sailing New Zealand team that were, and they were trying to get to go to the Olympics um, but it's like then the Olympic the funding gets cut and all that and then they've got to go overseas to do training well when you're a 18 19 year old going off to Europe to do unknown lengths of times in the middle of a pandemic isn't a high priority so yuck, lucky they're young enough that they can say well let's concentrate on Paris now and uh, Hopefully the world's back to normal by then. But there must have been so many people that spent so much time that didn't actually get to go because of um, funding cutbacks on their, from the sporting bodies in different countries and mm. not being able to compete. Because um, if you're not competing, you're not getting a ranking and you've got to be ranked to get in. Mm. Yeah, I guess this, this time in history, especially for events, tons of postponements and... Um, I guess the government made the announcement a couple of days ago when we were recording this about the new level two rules and um, outdoor events. Is that right? Gatherings are limited yep. to 100 people. 100, yeah. So I don't know how that's going to impact OCR events going forward. Um, it's under level two. You know, if OCR events happen in level two, if they are not going to happen or I, or they can, I, I don't know. <laughs> They may yeah, just find out from event organisers. Mm. Yeah, it's a hard time at the moment. 
Yeah, no, it will. It, it certainly would be. Um, I certainly wouldn't like to be in their place. It's uh, trying to plan stuff. Um, and, and I know uh, we all get annoyed because we don't get our full money back and everything, but they do invest some of it. But um, to get events organised, they've got to do so much. And it's just uh, the little things you see when you go to these events. It's like all this stuff takes time to organise and it's not something you could just go and pick up off the shelf. Um, getting all the, the shirts and medals and them and flagging tape and all that sort of stuff made up and mm-hmm. organising for um, well, Ultimate Athlete. They've now gone into the problems where the beach they want to hold it in is a um, surf life-saving beach. So they've got to fit in around the surf life-saving competition. So um, that makes life hard. Yeah, geez. be... I guess uh, it would be awesome if a lot more races like sold merchandise year round as well. Because um, so many of the t-shirts I own are like race <coughs> shirts, but <laughs> you know, get them for free from or get part of your ticket for entering an event yeah, or, yep. or buy an extra shirt at an event. Um, that would be awesome, a cool way to support events if some of them sold their merchandise year round on their website. You can order a t-shirt now while the event's postponed yeah. and a little bit of income going in to help support the event organisers even though they can't do their event under COVID? Well, you would have thought some of them might have done that. I know a coffee shop we go to in Ellerslie, they um, they put out lockdown last year about um, buying coffee now and getting it when you we get out of lockdown to help them keep afloat because they have to pay rent and all that. So mm. I go there with them in two or three days a week. So I just yeah, bought a few credit ones so that uh, when they... They could keep going, so they didn't disappear. I'm not sure about where you live, but where we uh, live, um, Newmarket's not far away, and there's just so many little shops around the side streets and the and that that are just closed down and not coming back. Mm, yeah, same in Wellington as well. Hospitality's been hit pretty hard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so another question is... Uh, if you could have coffee with any historical person, who would you choose? <laughs> well, I, I knew this was coming, so... <laughs> Plain um, answer. Uh, yeah. I'm a, like I said, me and my wife, we sailed around Australia and um, all that. I'm a big James Cook and, and um, Ferdinand Magellan, and I've read all the books, or visited so many of their monuments and so many places they went. Um I'd love to have a discussion with either one of those two. Um, there's just like, I don't know how much about navigation, you know, but there's, there's stuff now that we've got GPSs and all this stuff that can measure down to millimetres. And they did it with a, a sextant, a ruler and a piece of paper. And, and some of them are still valid today. Um, there's rivers in the United States where Cook and Magellan in the southern parts of, of South America went up the rivers and they've never changed. They've never had to redo them because they did such a brilliant job. Um, and yeah, some of the places they visited and not knowing they were there and sailing along in a big old wooden ship that uh, doesn't turn very fast, doesn't go very fast. Um, it'd be yeah, a real interesting discussion. I'd love to. Uh, that would be either, either one of those two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't say I know anything about navigation, but it's interesting to hear it's still used today and oh, yeah. maybe such a crazy adventure back in the old days, not knowing where you're going and 
Well, today it feels like most things have been done already. Yeah, you're going to hop on a ship and sail away for one, two, five years. You don't know. You don't know where you're going to go. Um, and you're going to be doing it all by the stars. And also, I was lucky enough when we were in the in the Pacific to, to um, go to a, a few islands where they still had sailors uh, in their, their canoes uh, to go way out to sea, like in these little sail canoes. Um, and we'd go, couldn't ever see land anywhere. And here we are in the middle of the North Pacific and they'd still get us home at night just because they know that the waves do this and the star lakes are there and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I might be lost without my GPS, but mm. those types of people are amazing. Uh, and that's always interesting. Um, so, yeah. I think it's always good not to rely too much on technology as well. I try not to in my life, like not to rely too much on GPS or uh, just a cell phone or even though I have my phone on me all the time, it's like, Try not to yeah, try and remember directions and remember, I don't know, stuff coming up. And <laughs> so if there ever was an apocalypse, you know, you can still survive. <laughs> and, and I must admit, that's another thing that I do love doing um, is orienteering and um, ray gans. Uh, they are really great fun. I've done a fair few of those since I've been back here in New Zealand. Um, and that, they are, yeah, that's all just reading map and being topography and, and getting that right. And if you get it wrong, yeah. Uh, can get not into trouble, but you um, can lose a lot of points because you can get no, you don't get anywhere. Um, we did one out at Shakespeare Park and thought this big black line was a road, and it actually turned out to be a cliff, which we got stuck on the bottom of and couldn't get to the top. And that, uh, so, but yeah, so that, that type of thing that interests me a lot too. Yeah, I just cut out there a second. I heard what you said. It's all right. Um, yeah, so to wrap it up, um, yeah, what's one question you'd, you'd wish I would have asked? Anything else you want to talk about? Um, one question, oh, God, I hadn't thought about that. Um, <laughs> no, not that I can think of. I think we, we covered it off. Um, and as we go forward, um, we'll get to know you and get to know me a lot better and um, get to know the community that we're, uh, we're trying to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, I, oh, yeah, I hope it goes ahead. Um, I hope we uh, we'll start off at one every couple of weeks, but we can get it uh, get down to getting at one a fortnight or something like that going forward. Find mm. some interesting people out there. Oh, absolutely. There's so many people yeah. in New Zealand yep. as well. Um, I mean, the events get people showing up around the country and just yeah, getting them more connected as well. I think having you know having interviewing someone and then other runners from events learn about this person and then person. hopefully you know you see them at the next event and just connecting the community a lot more yeah yeah and and i think that's this is well this is what our goal was was to, to connect the community but also get um event organizers not on board but get them uh to realize that if they talk to one another that that uh their event can be a lot better if they put together thinking about other events around the timing and stuff like that where they don't operate in a silo, say, well, we're going to do ours on the 6th of July. How does that fit with you guys? Mm. Um, and, I, and if we can encourage that from, from this perspective, I think uh, that'll certainly help uh, a lot with um, getting more events in the country. Yeah, I know there's been a few clashes recently, especially with postponements and <laughs> events are moving to dates of other events. No, it's, 
Um, but I think, yeah, there is, there is OCR events around New Zealand is awesome and there has been for the past few years. I feel like it's not much unity, you know, it's not much, it's not a sport yet. Um, and all these events around the country get, you know, hundreds of thousands of participants. But I wish there was more people traveling, you know, f- from event to event and it wasn't just locals. And that'd be one goal. One of my aims for this podcast is to bring people together, bring some yeah, more community. Get more people involved, yeah. Or get him uh, interested in everything, yeah. And, and that is quite an interesting. We, I had a, a meeting with uh, the Spartan boss when he was here from Australia when, um, oh, God, a few weeks back, at any rate, just pre-COVID, I think it was. Chris. Um, and um, he he comes from a, a mountain biking um, event organising background. And that was one of the things that struck me is he said that was one of the things he hated about in Australia was they have all these mountain biking events up and down the coast, but people will still go and do it on your on your date or take your time or what do you call it? And you're all fighting for the same people instead of saying, well, okay, we're going to do it this way. How does that fit with you? And I thought, well, that's interesting because you've moved to the OCR world and uh, you need to do that there as well. So, <laughs> Yeah, oh, for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, if people want to follow you online, connect with you online, where can they follow you? Uh, Instagram, I Steve, at Steady Stephen, just my, na- my name around the way, and Strava. Um, but I'm not big on uh, Facebook or Instagram, really. I actually only got into it to keep an eye on what my nephews and nieces were doing back in Australia and New Zealand while we were travelling around. Um, uh, I do post a few photos, uh, dog photos and race photos on Instagram, but that's about all. Okay. Yeah, and no, we can put links in the description of the show if people want to follow you there and uh yeah if people want to follow the yeah, obstacle races new zealand um there's an instagram and a facebook and a website and we'll get, get this podcast out there too hopefully we've got a um i guess educating ourselves more about podcasts too so we've got it's up yes. on spotify at this point um a bunch of other directories and it's still going into google no not google uh apple apple podcast directory oh, okay. still being submitted at this point so fingers crossed. Well, I see we're in, yeah, we're on iHeartRadio and a few of those others. Okay. Um, I looked today on our on the, the um, podcast platform that we've got and, uh, yeah, there was a few, and there's a few that I've never heard of. Um, mm. and, uh, we, we have to have a chat about how to get, work out whether they're worthwhile or does anyone use them here in New Zealand or wherever? Yeah, just get it out there. Um, I saw in our stats we've had for our first episode, which, um, yeah, if people haven't listened to it so go back and give it a listen you know it wasn't intended to be a podcast but we turned it into one um so we at that point it wasn't a podcast i put it out on uh youtube and that got that has a hundred and well last time i checked it was a hundred and nine views okay quite yeah it's good hoping to get over 100 which is good for random um interview that we put out there um maria bentley um, and then we put it up as a podcast up on the directories, like you're saying, and uh, has one listen <laughs> at this point. So one person's clicked on it. Um, but I think the more the more we put out and, um, well, I mean, overall it's 100 and something, but <laughs> I put it up on YouTube first. Um, but I think the more episodes we get out, the more consistent we are. We'll get more listeners and we'll spread the word. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Takes time to build. It does. And we got to learn get ourselves a bit sorted here and work out how we're doing and what we're doing. That's one thing I like about podcasts. I listen to a lot myself is um, listening. You kind of go on a journey with the, 
of the hosts over the course of their years. And um, it, it's kind of fun listening to the first podcast. And then if you jump ahead to like the end ones, the quality is so much better. So much better. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I totally agree. <laughs> so I feel like we have a, I think that's part of the fun is seeing them improve. I feel like, so us doing it now, we have a bit of leeway to make mistakes. <laughs> we don't need to launch perfectly. We don't need to be polished. We can um, learn as we go. And um, yeah, hopefully, yeah, if people, you know, give us feedback and let us know about our technical issues and these sorts of things and improve as we go. Yeah.